0: Never again, <laughs> exactly. Well, here we are again. Welcome to Super Duperstitious. the paranormal podcast about spooky things in the world with a sciency kind of approach to it. That's right, we put that that factualish spin on things,
1: and then <laughs> talk about them some more. <laughs> oh God! Thanks for joining us again for another yeah, week, or you if you're guys. joining us for the first time, thanks for doing that also. <laughs> yes, indeed. We're glad when you listen to us. We That's really the appreciate thing that it. You're here for. I wanted to offer a corrections corner from last week. Um, Ooh. I was talking about the Michigan Dog Man. Mm-hmm. I referred to the Gable film as being, quote, very low res. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually meant that it was very low fi ah, um, or at least made to look that way. and All the film grain and stuff. Uh, one of my complaints about its hoaxiness that I forgot to bring up is that it is actually too high res to believably be such old footage. Oh, so this one. Interesting. I noticed that when I was listening back to it, I was like, oh. That's wrong.
0: Did you reach out to yourself through the Super Duper yeah, contact I sent email, email
1: to contact at <laughs> Actually, I did send a, an email to contact <laughs> at Super com, uh, but just because I wanted to see if it worked. <laughs> oh, nice. Like, wait, is it? Isn't this not, just, just, just
0: a dead link? No, you guys just truly don't care.
1: So you know, whatever. It's yeah, fine. we're, we're not hurt. No, we don't care. We, we
0: don't, don't cry ourselves to sleep at night. You. That's right. Uh, what's our theme this week, Wyatt? Our theme this week, if I am not mistaken. I bet you are. I bet, yeah. (laughs) It was really tasty Mexican food. (laughs) Mm, That's (laughs) what all this is about. So good, it's unbelievable. Um, No, I think it is folklore creatures or beings that were kind of anchored in a mythology or folklore that people purportedly still experience or see or witness or otherwise interact with in the real world or so they say
1: to this very day to
0: this very day in fact right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, but, uh, if you don't you mind it. i'll uh, i'll kick it off please again. please do cool. all ears so i've got a couple of little stories mm-hmm. some legend stuff some history and folk tradition stuff and then another one big scary story to end with that i really like i can't wait to begin with on august 4th 1577 the Woo. doors of holy trinity church in blythburg I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> flew open in a... What's that? Holy Trinity Church in Blithberg, Batman. Blith- <laughs> <laughs> um, carry on. So Blithberg or Blith- Blithberg maybe? I'm not sure. Blithberg?
0: Was, Was it B-L-Y? B-L-Y. Blithberg, I bet you. It's in
1: England anyway. Uh, Blithberg. Uh, flew open in a clap of thunder. An enormous, terrible black dog ran down the aisle, passed the full congregation, and all in a blur killed a man and a boy made the church steeple collapse through the roof and ran back out again. Really really made his visit count.
0: Yeah, exactly. He wanted the, whatever that is, the cookies and the water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On its way back out, the dog left scorch marks with its claws on the door. Yikes. These can supposedly still be seen on the church today. Okay. Uh, Another encounter occurred that same day at St. Mary's Church in Bungay, which is apparently not far away. Abraham Fleming wrote of it in A Strange and Terrible Wonder in 1577. Hmm. This is all quotes from him. The black dog, or the devil in such a likeness, running all along down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste among the people, in invisible form and shape, passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees, and occupied in prayer as it seemed, rung the necks of them both at one instant clean backward, insomuch that even at a moment where they kneeled, they strangely died. Ooh, damn. These are some of the most prominent accounts of Black Shuck, a spectral hound known to terrorize the English countryside for the past several centuries. Mm-hmm. It has been seen all over the place, most often in graveyards in dark forests or on roadsides. Black hmm. Shuck, however, is just one iteration of a much, much older and bigger phenomenon what are most commonly known as hellhounds? Ooh! Uh, these are basically just huge black infernal dogs that scare <laughs> the absolute shit out of anyone unfortunate enough to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also often associated with portents of doom. Uh, those Spooky. who often, uh, those who see them often meet their deaths not long afterward. Uh, In general, they are linked to hell, death, and or the afterlife. (laughs) Contrary to their name. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, They are typically characterized by their size and color, so huge and black, Mm -hmm. um, fiery eyes, Mm -hmm. and sometimes also the smell of fire and brimstone or the smell of death. Mm.
0: Somebody better watch that dog.
1: Now, these stories range across a whole slew of different cultures and traditions, mostly in Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes they're benign sometimes even guardians of some kind, but they pretty much always show up only if you are going to die or are already dead. Yikes. Uh, So in addition to the bad omen type of hellhounds, there are thus also variations like Cerberus, the three-headed guard dog of the underworld in Greek mythology. Right. Or Garmer, I think it's pronounced, G-A-R-M-R. I think it's Garnier. Fructis. Yes. (laughs) The blood-stained hound or wolf that belonged to hell and guarded the gates to, you know, hell. Uh, the goddess Hel, H-E-L. The H-E, single hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She was the Norse uh, goddess of the underworld, which was called Hel. Mm-hmm. Regarding the portend type, mm-hmm. um, some traditions hold that the act of seeing a hellhound is what will bring on your demise. So if you hear an unearthly howl, you can cover your eyes until you get to safety and avoid your fate. So basically mm-hmm. by avoiding actually seeing, seeing the hellhound. It. But weren't those two locked in prayer when they got moided. yeah so it's like that was a different thing where the, the hellhound itself actually killed them um in most stories it seems like it just just it shows up and it's like hey you're gonna die then it goes away um hey you're <laughs> gonna die damn it, <laughs> hellhound mcgruff the hell mcgruff yeah, yes mcgruff
0: <laughs> the most vicious all right go on
1: um <laughs> so yeah supposedly just seeing them would be what would kind of seal your doom. Mm-hmm. But if you were able to avoid seeing them, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. However, other stories also maintain that merely hearing the howl is enough to so right. bummer the there. Right,
0: the Banshee kind of uh, mythology. Yeah, there. yeah.
1: There, there are a bunch of different variations with a whole bunch of different names coming from all around England, Wales, Spain, the Isle of Man, a episode eight? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. shout uh, out, shout different out. Different parts of Scandinavia and beyond. Mm-hmm. What's cool about the hellhound as a monster and a ghost story is that it kind of harkens back to humankind's complicated historical relationship with wolves. Yes, indeed. So on the one hand, early man saw wolves as dangerous enemies, uh, enough for this feeling to bleed into folktales for way too long. There's so many different big bad wolf variations over the years. That's true. Um, But on the other hand, you have the domestic dog. Which was a companion, and which was also provided services of different sorts. Uh, did you say provided services of different? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> uh, dogs could be pleasant or vicious. They could be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. Uh-huh. It all depended on a lot on the nature of their intended purpose. So, you know how they're bred, how they're raised, whatever their whole deal was. Thus, right. their purpose in life may be reflected by their purpose in the scary story. Mm. So hmm. that could be one kind of way that these different tales were spun. Uh, Some hellhounds, for example, show up in packs and have a demonic master of some sort. So they're still associated with hell in that sense, but they are acting like a normal dog would. Just it happens that they're, you know, the master who's leading them and stuff is some horrible being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As for the death connection, the afterlife has always held very special importance in all cultures. So it stands to reason that an important relationship like that of human and dog could make it into stories like that as far as just another important aspect of life could make it into this particular set of stories um a mystical dog that can see in total darkness is said to lead departed souls through caves into shibalba in mayan mythology That's interesting another example of just okay. like dogs being related to the afterlife right, uh, right in a much grimmer and more literal way there are at least there's at least one ancient civilization i came across and i can't remember which one it was um, they supposedly di- uh, dispose of corpses by just feeding them to dogs. Nice. So, in either case, dogs can help with crossing over to the other side. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Getting mm-hmm. into the modern mm-hmm. day aspect of it, however, I want to return again to the specific iteration of the hellhound I previously brought up, called Black Shuck. Okie doke. Uh, Recall that this one is the one that fucked some churches up in the 16th century (laughs) and marauded around Great Britain ever since. Mm -hmm. Largely in that one specific area, but has been seen all over the place. Most of the stories of hellhounds, like they are from all over Europe and uh, eventually all over the world, but they are really heavily concentrated in Great Britain.
0: Is the name Black Shook where we get Ah Shucks from?
1: I think you'd be a lot more disappointed when he shows up. Than to just say that. Ah, oh, shucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, someone nearby you in the church is having their head ripped off by this guy yeah. running around shucks. and destroying the people t- and stuff. Bad shucks. Or shuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was Black Shuck, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. also known as Old Shuck sometimes, which I think eventually became Old Yeller.
0: Shuckleberry uh,
1: Hound. Uh, in, 2014, Old <laughs> Yeller. in 2014, the archaeological group Dig Ventures... Uh, was was digging at Leiston Abbey, which is just a few miles away from the churches where those particular events supposedly took place. Mm -hmm. There, they found in a shallow grave the skeleton of a huge dog. Yikes. Let me show you that there. How huge. Um, This right here is uh, about 50 feet across. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, my God. No, it's just a great big dog. A different size reporter on it saying that the dog would have been about seven feet tall on its hind legs and stuff like that. But basically, it was just a huge friggin' dog, like Great Dane size. If you have yeah. a Great Dane or an or Irish like Scotch, Yeah. if they were on Irish their hind Bullfound, legs, exactly. yeah, seven feet makes sense. Sure. But dogs don't stand on their hind legs, uh, well, unless they live in Michigan. That's right, exactly. Uh, if you want to go back to last week and see what the hell I'm talking about, you can do that. <laughs> so could it be possible that there was an original flesh and blood animal that was the basis for this particular legend? Yes, indeed. A kind of weird dog running around. Freak people out, you know set fire to church doors or something with its claws whatever you know like uh, dogs do yeah i don't know why it would be buried on the church grounds maybe the idea was that is weird if they did believe that it was an evil thing maybe the
0: sacred would, ground could like hold its soul something or some like shit. that yeah
1: they're going to follow up and just try and figure out how old that particular dog skeleton was like how long it had been there sure the area where they dug it up had been mostly untouched for a really long time so they don't know how long ago it could have been put in they were going to look into that i didn't see any follow-up Indicating how old it was and mm-hmm. if it was, you know, original with the abbey or not. Mm-hmm. Sightings of hellhounds persist well into the present day and occur all over the world. Uh, the black shuck stories are hardly the only ones, and nowhere near the first either. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still date back to fifteen you know, hundreds, but there's still plenty older stories of of big old creepy, dogs. creepy demonic black dogs. So the sightings, even into the present day, uh, have many of the same characteristics as the old ones. Hmm. An enormous dog, black, often with fiery eyes, mm-hmm. sometimes accompanied by the smells associated with either hell or with death. Because everyone's been there. God, like, oh, this smells like this hell. This smells just like hell. <laughs> <laughs> One that I like is the so-called Demon of Dartmoor, Ooh. an apparent hellhound caught on camera in 2007. Oh my
0: God, let me see this. All righty. Let me see this dog. This is the Ooh. dog. Damn. So
1: it's a huge, huge thing. It's, like, really proportions. Because, like, a lot of times they're described as being really just, like, very muscular, just very buff. Not buff, but, like, just bulky. <laughs> the dog is ripped. Yeah, bulky dogs. And uh, so here's a pic- another picture from a distance. There's a group Whoa. kind of going up on the rocks, and then it's down.
0: They didn't see it, or did they?
1: They did not. It looks not. rather smaller in that picture. It does look smaller, but according to uh, Martin Whitley, a falconer who... Photographed the creature he was just out there like i don't know if he had brought a falcon with him or what he was doing out there at the time (laughs) but he was taking pictures and he was the one who saw that thing he said quote it was walking along a path about 200 yards away from me Mm. it was black and gray and comparable in size to a miniature pony it had very thick shoulders a long thick tail with a blunt end and small round ears its movements appeared feline then bear like sprang to mind Hmm. There was a party climbing on the tour opposite, making a racket, but it ignored them completely. Hmm. So this particular area is so heavily haunted by hellhounds that it inspired Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's super popular Sherlock Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles. Wow, no kidding. So yeah, this particular area in England is just known you for don't... hellhound sightings and stories. They, they could do, if they
0: wanted to, is um, get exactly however big that creature is by going back to the site and just doing like a scalar. Fucking... Well, they
1: don't have to. Oh, uh, snap, son, lead on me. Yeah, with so many stories of hellhounds in this exact spot, people flipped out when one seems to have been actually caught on the camera. Right. However, just like in the Sherlock Holmes story, and this is a 116-year-old spoiler alert, uh, (laughs) the hellhound turned out to be an ordinary dog. Uh Uh-huh. After the news ran with the Demon of Dartmoor story, local woman Lucinda Reed came forward and was like, yeah, that's my dog. We were just there that day. <laughs> yeah. His, his name is Troy and he's in Newfoundland. <laughs>
0: but I did get him in hell. <laughs> to be fair, he is actually an infernal beast. I prefer to call him a hound from hell rather than a hell hound. It's just, <laughs> it means all the difference for me. He was a rescue. Yeah, he's a rescue case. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, so he's just a a newfie. Which mm-hmm. I mean, if you've seen one of those in person, they are gigantic They're dogs, giant dogs. It's uh, true. Also, super sweet and friendly, and very uh, much so. So here's a picture of ba- Troy. Bear
0: like is a fair description. There you go. Look at
1: that guy. And so it's comparing him to the faraway grainy shot. It's the yeah. same dog. It's just funny how it looks so, so monstrous from a distance, and then the, it's like the grainy the shot does
0: look a little more rotund it does but um but can, he
1: also maybe i mean they may have trimmed him since yeah it's so, true so i mean they they have a very very big coat yeah uh growing up my first dog was a newfoundland collie mix oh. so he looked really big and kind of intimidating um with the big black coat uh he also loved to jump off of our diving board into the pool and sit length <laughs> the pool and when he got out you'd see when he's soaking wet he would look you know super thin because yeah, he's collie mostly. He like to like when he got out of the water, he wouldn't just shake off, he would wait till he could find where my mom was. (laughs) Like walk until he found her and then he'd shake off. How infernal (laughs) (laughs) So uh the demon of Dartmoor in this particular case was just a dog. Dog. Now this is a case where as in many of the modern stories, sightings are often reported in the same locales As the old stories Mm -hmm. Uh, You got moors In this case um, Graveyards Dark forests Roadsides Now these are also places Where it'd be really easy To get psyched out And spooked Especially If you already know Of stories in the area Involving these kinds of So primed Scary dogs Yes so much priming our, uh, our favorite uh, explanation for yeah, pretty much exactly. everything. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's true. <laughs> Priming. But it, it really comes primed. up a
1: lot. So yeah. it could be in a lot of cases like this. There could just be some kind of old stories, whether they came completely from out of thin air, people right. were telling stories, or whether they were based on some real thing. Maybe that dog they found buried in the abbey right. was a real weird, pesky dog around there that scared the hell out of people and they thought it might be evil. And that story got kind of whisked away from there. Right. Um, It's really hard to say for sure Quite how they originated But it makes a lot of sense That once you're out in this place That's supposed to be Infested with demon dogs And then you see or hear something Anything really dog-like Yeah, yeah you're going to just jump to all kinds of conclusions. Right. And it's going to be scary. Right. So one of the places that I said these can be seen is roadsides. Uh, oh, so for true. one of my favorite examples, I'm going to leave you here with a story from the Anything Ghost podcast. Okie doke. Uh, that show consists entirely of listeners submitted encounters and stories. Most of them are just read by the host, Lex Wall, but sometimes they're even recorded by the listeners and sent in. This one comes specifically from episode 222, Cool. And was recorded by and sent by a woman named Jolie. Okey doke. So Jolie is a woman who lives in Seattle and was originally from South Dakota, where she visits her family on major holidays and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, one summer a couple of years ago or so, um, I'm not exactly sure what year this was. This episode of Anything Ghost aired either at the end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017. In her recording, she said that it happened two years prior, but mm-hmm. I don't know what the turnaround time is between you know people sending them in and him actually airing them. Sure, but. Relatively uh, recently. Yeah, pretty damn recently. Right. Uh, but Jolie was taking the train to visit her family. At uh, The train station nearest to their house is still a few hours out from where they live, so her youngest brother, Kevin, made the drive. so three-ish hours each way uh, to pick her up from the train station and bring her home. Mm. Uh, our train arrived at around 10 p.m., so the drive back was pretty free of traffic. It was late at night. Uh, it was just a pleasant, clear summer night and a smooth drive on a small, empty highway. Everything was going very well until they got to a particular empty stretch, this time in Sioux territory, in Standing Rock, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, at this point, Kevin got really quiet and really tense, and in spite of the total lack of traffic, he started leaning forward toward his steering wheel and scanning the horizon intently as they drove. Huh. This wasn't a time or place where deer would have been much of a problem, and certainly not enough for him to be so paranoid about them. Mm. After a short while of this, he muttered to the stretch of road ahead of them, I'm ready for you. I'm what ready the- for you, devil dog. What the fuck? Which is what Jolie said. So she asked what the (sighs) heck he was talking about, and he didn't readily answer. He was visibly upset and wouldn't take his eyes off the horizon. Whoa, weird. Eventually, when enough time had passed without incident, he began to tell her. About six months prior, he and his best friend had driven that same stretch, and something had happened to them. Oh, shit. They were taking care of some business in Bismarck one sunny afternoon, and when they reached that same open portion of the highway, they noticed something far ahead of them in the road. It was a large black shape, Oh God! large enough that from such a great distance, they took it to be an enormous bull or black cow. That area is very flat, so you can see for quite a long way. It was Uh, 400 miles away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As they got closer still, they realized that it wasn't a huge bull. It was a big black dog standing there in the middle of the highway. Oh, my God. And it was staring right at them. What the (laughs) fuck? They kept getting closer, and they kept standing there, watching their approach. Until eventually, they came to a stop before reaching it, unable to continue with it in the way. Kevin was in the passenger seat. He said that the dog's eyes were bright. He didn't specifically say that they were glowing red eyes or anything necessarily. Right. But he said that they were bright, almost like red and almost a flame. Ooh, barghest. Yes. Wait, what did you say? Barghest. It's a demonic dog type creature. Oh, okay. Then yes. <laughs> um, what I said before. Uh, The two were dumbfounded by what they were looking at, but also completely petrified. Kevin's friend is freaking out. What is that thing? What is it doing? (laughs) Kevin, of course, couldn't offer any answers, being just as in the dark himself. He's Uh, obviously shuffling a deck of cards. (laughs) Carry on. Uh, He he suggested that maybe they just tried driving around it. It was as big as their car. Uh, So they pulled into the oncoming lane and slowly made their way around the giant black dog. This put Kevin face-to-face with it as they passed. Oh, my God. It slowly watched them the whole way around. What the fuck? Now, Kevin, he had served in Afghanistan and generally seen some serious shit, but nothing in his life had ever scared him more than this thing just outside the car window as they drove around it. Before they had barely made it past the thing, it started to lurch towards them as if to try to catch the retreating car. The Kevin's friend floored it, and they got the fuck out of there as fast as they could. Uh, it did not give chase, but did watch them until they were out of sight. Hmm. The two ran their errands in Bismarck and then got back on the road while it was still afternoon and sunny as you like. Uh, <laughs> they reached the same stretch of road once more.
0: Why would you go back though? I guess there's only like so the many roads, way get,
1: yeah wait yeah. in the middle of the prairie. that was the highway to get home, so right. they went back. Sure enough, in the distance, this same creature was standing in the road up ahead of them.
0: What the This hell? time,
1: however, it took off into the prairie before they got close, mm. and the rest of their journey was incident-free. Hmm. Very shortly thereafter, Kevin's friend was driving by himself one night. He fell asleep at the wheel and was in a fatal accident. So Kevin never really got over these events. Uh, that one right. night driving with Jolie was the only time he talked about any of it, and he remained very paranoid about night driving ever afterward. Fair Neither he nor Jolie ever saw the so-called devil dog after that, but that one occurrence stayed with them both forever.
0: Ooh, that is spooky. Oh my gosh.
1: So people are still seeing these things in all different parts of the world. Right. Um, sometimes with, sometimes without the kind of uh, bad omen sort of aspect to them. Right. But always, yeah, really frighteningly huge dogs that scare the hell out of whoever sees them. Oh, man. And uh Spooky as fuck. A spooky stuff. That is
0: very interesting. I would wonder, just trying to think of any creature I can imagine seeing in that kind of environment that would be anything like that. But honestly, I can't, from from mind at least, pull anything out. Like,
1: And that's the interesting thing is people see it at first and mistake it in some cases for a different animal that makes right, more sense. Right. And then they correct and say, wait, no, that's some kind of dog type thing.
0: It's interesting too, assuming their story is true, that... You would have such a an incredible sighting in such a, you know, exposed and like high visibility environment. Yeah. You know, I it feel.
1: In this case, it wasn't like, oh, it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah, and, exactly. And you couldn't quite see what you were looking Shadows at. Shadows playing. Yeah. Yeah. It was instead just, yeah, broad daylight, middle right. of the afternoon. And I saw this fucking scary thing. I do have mm. one more I um story I found of a sighting recently online if you're interested yeah, at I, all.
0: Absolutely, man. Lay it on me. This I have a shitload of, of stories today, so cool.
1: Um this kind of follows a sort of different uh format of how these things manifest themselves. So this is from from a um unexplained hyphen mysteries dot com mm-hmm. forum. <laughs> <and> unexplained hyphen mysteries dot com. <laughs> the post heading is possible hellhound sighting. And the subheading is, both my brother and I saw a creature. New York Times bestseller. Yes. <laughs> well, I see it's by
0: Silent Asylum.
1: The Silent Asylum. The, the sil- one and only. <laughs> and so this kid tried to include a whole bunch of details about this one thing that happened to him. So so they all decided to go to this one baseball park that uh, they were joking was haunted. They uh, It wasn't actually haunted, but they wanted to try and, you know, scare... Um, one of the members of their group when they were going there to say, oh yeah, this place is haunted. Check it out. Try to creep them out. Yeah, so they got there. They parked. Um, kept walking. So the narrator started to feel creeped out. He didn't really understand Mm -hmm. why. So they decided to keep on walking in and as soon as they crossed the pitcher's mound, the narrator said his entire head felt like he'd been struck by a flashing headache. Hmm. Something caught his eye over by left field and he looked over. There was a creature. It had the body of a very skinny dog but the body was around seven feet long. His legs were thin. The head looked like a hollowed out tiger's skull, he said. It was Ooh. all totally pitch black. He said As he as soon as he saw it, he felt a, a primal fear wash over him. The most scared he ever felt in his entire life. The creature was on the outside of the fence, but was running up towards the fence. Oh my god. And then when it got to it, instead of like you'd expect a dog to do where it would just like kind of jump up with both like front paws at it and and you know feebly try and either climb up over or just kind of bark at it or whatever a dog might do right it instead uh pulled its right back leg up over its body in a really weird way um and hooked its claws onto the fence and then just pushed itself over one fluid motion right over the top of the fence straight towards them whoa as soon as it hit the ground it disappeared it just was gone I would uh, get the fuck out of there. Yes. So a lot of different... I, I forgot to mention some of the different uh, accounts of hellhounds would involve them being just these kind of spectral dogs that would just vanish. Like People would see them and they'd vanish. That was part of the kind of like um, omen yeah. of doom sort of thing.
0: That sounds more like a barghest. If you want to Google B-A-R-G-H-E-S-T. So here you go. It's sort of like...
1: Oh, yeah. That's really it's good. It's sort looking. of haunting... Oh, my. Yeah, so a lot more monstrous than a lot very of... Very monstrous,
0: uh, but it's supposed to be sort of this
1: ethereal... Seems like a very, yeah, on the same page. Demon dog kind of thing.
0: Bear demon, it translates to. Bear uh, okay. geist.
1: That makes sense. So they... um Yeah, so in a lot of cases, people would see one of these horrible dog things, and then it would vanish. and uh, But then something bad would happen, you know, some not long after that. Right. Um, so they're out, they see this thing jump over the fence in a really weird and natural way, land, vanish all happened in a matter of seconds. And then uh, at that point, the narrator turned to his friend and said, Holy God, did you see that? He's always screaming, What the fuck was that? So they looked back again, and all of a sudden, three other creatures appeared in left field, each almost a third of the size of the original creature. They appeared uh, to be <laughs> medium-sized dogs. All I the did same- not see that coming. Yeah. That was truly out of left field. <laughs> um, so they appeared to be medium-sized dogs, all the same... Pitch black color as the original one, with glowing reddish yellowish eyes. Mm. So they all screamed to just like start running for their lives, feeling that same primal fear as before. Mm-hmm. Started running away. The narrator looked back and saw the dogs who were watching them all run, and were slowly walking after them, but not running. Yuck! Just before they got back to their car, he looked back one last time towards the bleachers in a different field than the one they were in. He saw a figure standing there. It was seven feet tall, human shaped, with what looked like folded wings. It had oh, red eyes on. and was just standing and watching the two of them. They took a step in that direction to see if they could see better and it vanished. So, just more really weird, creepy stuff. So, that yeah. kind of falls into more of the, the type of story where there's yeah, the hellhound things and then also some kind of master, demonic master of the hounds that right. um, is controlling them in some way. But just weird sightings, weird, creepy stuff. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Who knows what's going on? Master of the Hounds, ruler of the den, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I will. You know what? I will. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for you for Hellhounds this week. But they are—they're fun. I can dig
0: it. Um, alrighty. Do it, so, Rockapella. Rockapella. Yeah. On the evening of August twenty-first, nineteen fifty-five, after sharing a meal together in the Suttons' home near Hopkinsville, Kentucky members of the Sutton and Taylor families came under apparent attack from strange beings each had exceptionally long arms for their stature with razor sharp claws at the ends of them Hmm. they also had bat like ears stood around 0.6 to 1.2 meters or 2 to 4 feet tall and appeared to have the ability to float upward without the aid of a vehicle or propeller of any kind. All right, I'm hooked. <laughs> Despite members of the families opening fire on the strange creatures and even <laughs> appearing to hit them on occasion. Kentucky. Yeah, for real. We were trying to invite them in for dinner. <laughs> Fuck you, Kentucky people. <laughs> the bullets would just bounce off, causing no harm whatsoever. Hmm. The attack would last for hours. Wow. Police who were called to the scene afterward noted that there were indeed distinct signs of an outside disturbance, but the incident remains unexplained. Hmm. The next day, neighbors told two officers that the residents had, quote, packed up and left after claiming, quote, the creatures had returned around 3.30 in the morning. Uh. Another account. An American B-17 pilot during World War II, known only as LW, reported that as he was taking the enormous plane to higher altitude during a mission... He could hear a strange sound coming from the engine. The engine? The engine. And instruments on the panel in front of him had started going haywire. When he looked outside to his right, he saw a freakish, quote, entity latched onto the plane, three feet tall, with abnormally long arms, grey hairless skin, Deep red eyes, a gaping mouth full of teeth, and pointed ears with tufts of black hair at the ends like, quote, owl ears, just staring in at him from the wind and bitter cold beyond the glass. Jeez. Very Twilight Zone. Very. LW turned to look at the nose of the aircraft and saw yet another one of the creatures, apparently dancing about and pounding away haphazardly at the fuselage. Sounds impossible, and LW himself thought at first that he was perhaps hallucinating or experiencing disorientation but he stated that he felt sharp and in control of his senses. He said the strange creatures appeared to be laughing maniacally and were banging on the aircraft with all of their might, obviously trying their best to bring the plane down. Dicks. They were jerks. (laughs) After a bit of maneuvering, L.W. managed to shake the critters off his plane, although he would later say he had no idea if they had fallen to their deaths or merely jumped to another plane. L.W. was apparently apprehensive about telling anyone about his ordeal, but when he told a gunner friend of his experience in confidence, the gunner reported having had a similar experience on a training mission just a few days prior. Oh
1: yeah, it happens all the time.
0: Yeah, those little guys <laughs> just offer them food before midnight. <laughs> yeah. So my folk- folkloric and purportedly still-witnessed entity, or I guess entities, are broadly goblins? <laughs> Including gremlins and gnome-type things. All right and uh for our listeners at home who are either under the age of like six or have somehow managed to avoid all things (laughs) fantasy for their entire lives goblins somehow found this podcast somehow found this podcast through some crazy series of accidents goblins are basically patently fantastical beings uh they're described as short somewhat grotesque looking humanoids they're often malicious and magical for instance they can become invisible and may sometimes be sort of attuned to nature. But overall, they're sort of greedy, malicious little creatures that are, you know, they sort of just enjoy tricking or taking advantage of unwitting humans.
1: Their favorite food is half plant, half human.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Goblins were first mentioned in English in the 14th century, but etymological lineage brings this term closer to kobolds from Germany and various other terms for either little demons or spooky holes in the ground from which they come from a suite of regions throughout the British Isles and Europe. In Mm. other words, the term may have a rather older lineage than, you know, just goblins as it is. Okay. And to this day, goblin-type beings feature in many forms of fantasy media, from folklore and literature to movies and TV and board games and video games. For instance, the labyrinth uses the sort of traditional goblin very accurately. Yes. Of note as well, up front here, goblins and gnome-type creatures are said to most often appear to children who they may attempt to steal away.
1: Okay. So, again, kind of like labyrinth.
0: Indeed. So, what I found particularly fun in reading up on this topic is just how many accounts of creatures matching the sort of, I guess, traditionally Anglo description of a goblet, if you will, or gnome feature, or I guess European broadly, feature in the mythologies and folklore tales of many different cultures around the globe um, with similar references in Indian, Japanese, Chinese, South American, and Native North American tales.
1: Hmm. That's a lot of cultures.
0: At the very least. Yeah. So, for instance, in South America, there is a gnome or goblin type creature known as the Duende, which, depending on narrative, is either a helpful or a nefarious entity. It's called a Duende? Duende, yeah.
1: That's interesting because I had known the term duende to refer to. Um, it's supposed to be like one of the hardest words to translate from Spanish, apparently. Oh, refers interesting. To this kind of spirit of like yeah. the evocation of response to artwork, as far as what you know. Oh, interesting. Causes you. It's supposed to refer to um, like
0: the spirit of the work itself, almost. Kind
1: of, it's like the thing, whatever about a thing causes you to whatever moves you, like about elicits something. your emotional response. Yes, and that is Duende. That's cool. Also, if you refer to the 2011 They Might Be Giants album, Join Us, there's also the song uh, Three Might Be Duende.
0: (laughs) So I think, as you were just mentioning, though, Duende may be a much more blanket term, but I think among its connotations is reference to sort of little hob creatures. And um, again, they may be helpful or nefarious. They may haunt forest trails or the walls of one's home. So you either have your kind of elf on a shelf, move shit about your house, creep mm-hmm. on you when you're sleeping, or the- Did your parents
1: do that to you, by the way? The elf on the shelf?
0: No, I never got elfed.
1: I didn't know what that was until, like, only in the last few years. What a terrifying tradition that is.
0: It, if I'm not mistaken, they just suddenly an elf shows up on the shelf or something?
1: <laughs> I think it's that, and then also they- um, each night they move it to some other part of the house. Fuck that shit. So it's just like, oh, look, it moved. Oh, it's, it's, it's up to stuff. I don't know if there's supposed What's to be some gonna kind of... What's he going to do next? Yeah. If there's some sort of thing where you're supposed to do something for the You just the, burn that thing. <laughs> I think that's the logical you Put response. it in a bag and throw
0: it in the river. <laughs> so another example from North America is the Puckwudgie, which is a shaggy, aggressive, supernatural goblin-type creature Described by the Wampanoag tribes from Southeast New England. Yeah, it's here. Indeed it is. Actually, their range, the Wampanoag didn't quite reach up to where we are in New Hampshire. Okay. They were goddamn Connecticut people. (laughs) (laughs) They drove cars, they (laughs) had fancy homes, (laughs) commuted to New York City. Um, (laughs) Interestingly, despite the goblin's status as a sort of patent folkloric being, there are persistent accounts suggesting people are either ascribing troubling or otherwise unexplainable experiences to a well established idea, mm-hmm. or they may be bumping into something very strange indeed. So I'll start with some Pukwudgie accounts. Go for it. Shut up, computer. <laughs> Freetown State Forest in Massachusetts is apparently the place to go for a puck wedgie encounter. If anyone is out there going like, I gotta get me some puck wedgie action,
1: you know, I gotta get me some. Yo,
0: you guys about to get pucked up? (laughs) So, two are relatively well known insofar as puck wedgie encounter accounts are known. (laughs) Um, In the first, a woman named Joan claims she was walking her dog in the forest on a spring day in the 1990s. Her dog runs off the path and drags her into the woods. When the dog finally stops... <laughs> i
1: picturing her just dragging on the ground behind the dog. <laughs> she, yeah.
0: She had a hellhound, so it was not hard for
1: it to drag her around. Really, he rescued us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when the dog finally stops, she finds herself staring at a strange little being standing on a rock. She described him as looking like a troll, two feet high with pale gray skin and hair on his arms and the top of his head his hmm. torso made up the majority of his body and he had very short legs his eyes were deep green and he had large lips and an all a long almost canine nose i might also mention that i'm getting this story in the next from new england folklore.blogspot all right several times after seeing the creature in the woods joan woke up in the middle of the night to see it staring in her bedroom window no fun and these nighttime visitations only finally stopped when she moved to another country jeez fuck <laughs> that shit yeah so much
1: I mean, luckily, the description of its physical appearance sounds more goofy than terrifying.
0: But, I mean, if you legit saw that thing just peering in your window
1: at night... Yeah, no thanks. No, never. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, even the elf on the shelf I'd not be okay with. So, yeah, no, not that at all. Man. So, the second account is of a
0: man named Tom who claims to have first seen a puck wedgie when he was a teenager. He had snuck out of his parents' house one night to walk in the woods to clear his mind, so the story goes... And as he walked down a path, he saw a glowing light. Parents don't understand me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go walk through the dark woods at night. This (laughs) totally puts me at ease. He says, I noticed a dim light like in the form of a ball in front of me. It was white and swelled like it was breathing. It rose to about my shoulders and then flew into the woods. Naturally, Tom followed the light down the path. (laughs) Wow, wouldn't you? Till it disappeared. Uh, As he turned to head back home, he noticed he was not alone a short man covered in entirely in fur stood nearby Hmm. he was about two feet tall and had a nose like a wolf Hmm. the little man then ran off into the trees with an unearthly moan and the third and my favorite Pukwudgie account ever (laughs) of the three I've heard (laughs) is from (laughs) forum.bodybuilding.com <laughs> entitled Ask a Bro Who's Being Harassed by Puck Wudgies Anything. This I'm is sorry, my... back
1: up. I need you to walk me through <gasps> all of that again. Yes.
0: this So is... this
1: story comes from a bodybuilding...
0: This comes from a fo- forum thread on a bodybuilding site. So it's like a, a place for people who occupy a good deal of their time, perhaps an exorbitant deal of their time, straight
1: Flex and Guns. All right, and it's an AMA from a guy who... What again? Not just any guy, a bro, thank a bro, you very I'm sorry, much. I'm sorry. Who is being
0: harassed by Puck Wedgies. All right, I'm up to speed. So, this is my favorite. Because <laughs> I can't imagine why. I'll tell you why. It's because it's a Puck Wedgie account on a bodybuilding forum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of what I was thinking.
0: Um... <laughs> i also appreciate it because it strikes me as sincere but also because owing to the syntax and general tone you can just tell it was probably bench pressed into the internet using only the biceps muscles to hit the keys let me give you just a taste quote they're called puck wedgies basically it's a real life troll i don't give a fuck if you don't believe in paranormal stuff or not These stories actually happened to me and I'm not about to go out of my way to make up some story for the amusement of some internet forum. With that declaration, (laughs) he goes on to show that he's done his homework and posts an excerpt from the Wikipedia description of puckwudgies, which sort of details their magical features and things Mm -hmm. like this. I'm not going to read it. And then he continues... Now, I can't say I agree with all that shit above about using their weapons and turning into a porcupine, but I do think they are somehow magical creatures.
1: I I really love the lack of prior context for this, too. (laughs) I'm just launching into that from there. It's like, okay, so clearly he's been talking about some stuff up until now. Yes. Um, So I
0: will do my best to read the rest of his account exactly as it's written. But without giving it any kind of cruelly ridiculous voice, just because I think it'll be more fun to hear this come out in a normal tone. (laughs) And I think we'll have to leave the unpacking of the internalized toxic masculinity that's inherent in all this (laughs) kind of world for another podcast.
1: Assume that with every single sentence he says... There's some kind of deep seated insecurity about his place and his masculinity. He and his, is exactly his but
0: again, it's like that quality about that whole world that makes his story that
1: much more <laughs> of a sell to me. Because yeah, you wouldn't think it would some sound bro? So, it sounds so silly for him uh, to be coming forward about this. It's, it's so insane. It's like oh, this kind of fairy tale creature was bugging me, and like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly.
0: So. <laughs> it's like. Andy Kaufman levels if he's fucking around um (laughs) so without further ado I live in Pennsylvania and my house is built on old Seneca Indian tribe grounds basically these little troll creatures are linked to Native Americans and also I'm trying to read with the grammar as well that was all one sentence okay I'm not sure how or why but they are I know for a fact Indians used to live here because as a kid I found odd-shaped stones shaped like hammers in the creek behind the house and also arrowheads in the cornfield up the road from me from when they would loosen the soil to plant crops there. So it's really a no-brainer. But anyways, ever since I was a kid, I've always felt watched while in my house, and even outside, I've basically been in a constant state of some type of paranoia. Ever since the age of six, I've learned to accept it, though now. (laughs) As a child, I don't remember much, but here are some things I do remember happening. We would often camp in the backyard in tents, slumber parties, you know. This one night, we just got done making marshmallows over the fire we had built, and it was time to go to sleep soon enough, so we all got up to walk over to the tent. And we see these little things that looked like elves or little gremlins run out of the tent as we approached it. There was a whole fucking pack of them. Six exclamation points. I guess I should have screamed that (laughs) at the absolute barrel top of my lungs, but I cannot do that right now. I couldn't make out the exact features of them at the time, but they sure were ugly little things from what I can remember. Grayish skin, long hair on their heads, and butt naked. <laughs> they walked slash ran, standing upright, just like you and me. It was me and my friend Todd. Yeah, <laughs> I run on my hands, dude. It was me and my friend Todd who had seen them. The other people were walking behind us always. When we told them about it, they just laughed. Go figure. The previous story, I was probably around nine years old or so, I think. As I got older, it only got worse. I would frequently encountered these little buggers. The next time I remember is when I was roughly 11. It was actually Christmas time, LOL. Christmas Eve, in fact. so (laughs) hilarious that it may be Christmas time. He has to, like, offset the fact that he even appreciates Christmas with a self-deprecating LOL. How dare I mention it was Christmas anyways that night i decided to sleep downstairs and not in my room i think because the furnace heat vent was plugged going to my room so it was too cold to sleep there but just as i was about to fall asleep that, i abrupt oh. i don't
1: understand okay keep going.
0: but just as i was about to fall asleep i abruptly heard something coming from the kitchen pantry that sounded like two things whispering back and forth i was all alone downstairs so i was pretty scared the room I was in was creepy enough with this huge big window facing the woods outside and no curtain covering it. I sat up real quick with my eyes as big as a, quote, Burt stare, and the hair on the back of my <laughs> neck stood up. Do you know what a bird
1: stare is? I have no idea.
0: Allow me to share with you <laughs>
1: okay. the bird stare. I'm learning a lot this episode. His eyes were like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that bird. <laughs> And that stare Alright <laughs> We will post a picture to uh, This is, you know, the um, Maybe this Sesame should be the Street. episode picture <laughs> I think it might have to be Oh my goodness Like a Sesame Street Bert.
0: Indeed I was in shock to what I was witnessing It was real quiet too And everybody was asleep So I know it wasn't my parents or older sister Fucking with me <laughs> So at
1: that fucked those two.
0: <laughs> Fucking with me So at that moment I basically gave myself two options get the fuck up and investigate or be a pussy and run upstairs to mommy
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's already describing being terrified of the window and the general room exactly no "No, i'm gonna be i'm such a A time for action has (laughs) come
0: uh so i slowly got up with my knees vigorously shaking from the fear and entered the hallway leading to the kitchen i was ninja silent so i could still hear this chattering as i came closer to the room when I entered the doorway, looking into the kitchen, I heard a shitload of pots and pans that were hung up in the pantry start falling left and right. It was loud as fuck. I basically pissed myself. LOL. <laughs> but I figured, fuck it. I'm already three quarters of the way there, so I quickly ran over to the far right corner of the kitchen where the pantry was and flicked on the light as fast as I could and screamed at the top of my lungs like a maniac to scare whatever was in there. Again, there they were. Those. St- Little stupid ass trolls. Only two this time. It's a pretty long pantry that is built underneath a staircase. Stair as in to look at case. The shelves block off about half the staircase. staircase? Correct staircase. The bird staircase. And there is a tiny opening between the shelves that then ran into. What? (laughs) He's describing the locality. I can't even. There's there's some architecture. I barely even saw them but I did.
1: <laughs> still. A lot of build up for not a lot of payoff.
0: <laughs> still still the same things as I remembered from the other story. Anyway, I did end up running upstairs after that like a little bitch to my mommy LOL. But wouldn't you have done the same? Oh, excuse me. But wouldn't have you done the same? I think I have one. (laughs) Wait, God, I can't even get my brain around it. Anyway, I haven't really saw one within the last five or so years. And I'm trying to lure one out by thinking about it a lot. That's how it worked when I was younger. The more I thought about it, the more the chances I'd see them. So... While I don't love the toxicity, I do love how sincere it is and that this dude was clearly compelled enough to want
1: to share his story. What a place to do that too. Exactly. As far as like not, exactly. not a receptive audience, but still no, feeling like you want to say it there anyway. And like
0: he goes on to basically have to fight off far grosser, horrible people that are just like coming in to just absolutely like assault him mm. for like sharing the story and like i mean the comment section is worth looking at just to sort of like chuckle in like a gross way but it is like frightening
1: i wish someone could have been there to tell him about unexplained mysteries.com yes (laughs) exactly
0: exactly i like too that his description happens to match those of other accounts of similar type beings yeah and further that he kind of unwittingly perfectly describes Autonomous priming under the pretense of it being a kind of true summons for the creatures if you will So as he says at the end I'm trying to think about them a lot to see if I can't summon them up That's how it worked when I was younger if i thought about them more i would see them more often Hmm. i'm like that's kind of like the the formula for psyching yourself into seeing a thing or experiencing something
1: you think about enough you're going to imagine you saw it
0: right exactly so that's cool let's see so aside from puck wudgies there are many many accounts of straight up fucking gnomes 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 like actual gnomes jake this cracks me up because the folklore descriptions of gnomes are so patently cartoonish to me <laughs> for those of you who've never turned on the tv or looked outside gnomes are very <laughs> short statured <laughs> beings maybe two feet tall at best first introduced to literature in the 16th century i have been made to understand gnomes are said at to the
1: same l- time that uh dog was fucking up some churches in england
0: <laughs> they had to counterbalance the dog <laughs> horror with gnomes <laughs> Um, gnomes are said to live underground and possess magical abilities so in some ways they're similar to goblins but they're far less nefarious i feel uh they may be mischievous but they are often not malicious Uh, i believe they prefer instead to sort of pursue magical craft work and mechanics typically or just Hmm. sort of be humble little you know oh, was that a gnome I just saw? Kind of critters, you know, they're just sort of these things on the fringe of typical mundane reality.
1: Help you get good prices on hotels and stuff.
0: Exactly, they help you on your hotel prices. They go around the globe. Most critically for me, as far as this being like something that I would otherwise just dismiss outright, is gnomes are universally described, basically, as a portly little man sporting a beard and pipe with a colorful outfit which includes a pointy conical hat it's yes. kind of like the gnome archetype and it's it's reproduced everywhere at least in the european version of the gnome but that's the most widely disseminated as far as i know as far as i know <laughs> um so the following is from from the shadows dot so dan bortko's family moved from Wyandot county kansas to liberty missouri in 1948 when he was about nine months old his family didn't know it but something already lived in the house on their street mm-hmm. the house a stucco bungalow built atop a hill in the 1920s wasn't the only structure on that site there was a spring in the basement burko said the site of the spring was the site of a large farm in the 1860s through 1914 our property was the part of a farmyard at some time a barn still sat outside the two-bedroom house when the Bortco's moved in there. In that house, in 1952, Bortko saw something that has haunted his mind ever since. Oh no. I'll call him a troll because that's what he reminded me of, Bortko said. Bortko, who was four at the time, napped in the same room as his two younger brothers, both in cribs, when something roused him from his sleep. As his eyes slid open, he realized he and his baby brothers weren't alone. I had just awakened from a nap and was rubbing my eyes and saw what you could call a troll. It was an old man with a long beard, large nose, about three feet tall, standing at the foot of my bed. And I was just astounded. The little old man wore German lederhosen and held a smoking pipe in his hand. Hmm. As the man stood looking at Borco... He smiled through his beard, winked, and disappeared through the closet door. Spooky.
1: Spooky, but also, like, really pleasant somehow. Yeah, he's like, I'll have some chocolates. (laughs) It's
0: my poop. (laughs) Um, The only thing I could mutter was, Goss, Borko said. My mother came in and opened the closet door, and on the top shelf- Did
1: you just say Goss? Did you just say- Look at me in the eye. Did you just say Goss?
0: (laughs) She's just slapping him around. Don't you ever use that word in this house. Uh, my mother came in and opened the closet door, and on the top shelf was a toy rubber goose. Borko knows he didn't say goose. The word was goss. But that somehow had something to do with his troll. <laughs> such a weird aside.
1: It's a very weird
0: Although Bortko doesn't think he saw the little man again, later in life, his mother told him he often talked about someone no one else could see. As a child, my mother said I had an imaginary friend, and I called it by its name. He said, "My mother said it sounded like a science fiction movie name." During this like time, Bortco. like Bortko, like <laughs> Bortko. During this time, Bortko remembers. <laughs> <laughs> they can't say his name anymore. Uh, remembers looking Got at
1: to Barada Nikto <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, remembers looking out his bedroom window at night and seeing little people near the uh, old barn in the backyard. That's what scared me, he said. There were fairy tale pictures on my wall, and among them was a man on the mountain smoking a pipe, and this reminded me of him. Hmm. As a child, Bortko, who's now an artist with a master's degree, once tried to capture this little man on paper. I remember doing a drawing of a picture of a man's face with large dark eyes, he said, and my brother Bill started crying. Every time he saw it, he was out of his wits. Hmm. Did Bill also experience this being? Borco apparently wasn't the only person from that era to have a similar experience. David, did not ask his brother about it? Yeah, he's like, I never wanted to bring it up. Maybe he did. Um, David Schwab grew up in Orange, New Jersey and is familiar with tales of a similar entity. His friend Jerry saw one of these, quote, trolls in the early 1960s. I remember Jerry always talking about some kind of troll elf leprechaun type critter with a rather long beard being on his steps, Schwab said. Schwab met with Jerry in December 2009, before Jerry moved to the Philippines. He said... Yeah, you go
1: to the Philippines, you gotta deal with aswang. It's much worse than a
0: gnome. <laughs> you watch your mouth. <laughs> um, he said that when he was a kid, he was in his backyard and was startled by a small gnome-like man with a long beard standing by his back porch, Sw- Schwab said. He said he had funny clothes on and a pointed hat and all. The entity, about two or three feet tall, just stood at the steps staring at him. This wasn't the last time the gnome made an appearance at Jerry's house. This is obviously Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> when Jerry was in his 20s, his five-year-old nephew took a nap in a converted bedroom. His family called this, quote, shower room because it had once been a bathroom. A shower head still jutted from the wall. His nephew started crying and ran downstairs, Schwab said. He said that he was awoken by a small man with a long white beard that stood and looked at him. Um, so this all sounds kind of wacky. Um, no, but, uh, it does at least explain what the Travelocity gnome is up to in his free time, yes. which is getting together with his unemployed bros to freak out kids and we at <laughs> <hit> them, <laughs> um, In the interest of tracking down any and all putative proofs of gnome-like beings, I do have four videos for us to watch.
1: Each 20 minutes long. Each 20 minutes
0: long. um, These clips emerged from Mexico and South America, where the Duende are said to roam. The Duende is, as we discussed earlier, a blanket term for all things goblin or sprite spiritual kind of critter mm-hmm. hailing from Iberian, South American, Chamorro, and Filipino folklore. The Chamorro people hail from Guam and Northern Marianas. I do not have any written first-hand accounts for you today, but again, the videos will have to do. So... the first one, it's a group of teenage boys who are... It's like one in the morning, apparently. They're returning from a fishing trip. And right now, they're just sort of chatting, and there's the cameraman's just looking at them in turn.
1: Mhm.
0: Sitting around, it's dark. Mira, Mina. So they're saying, like, look, look. Okay. Camera turns. Wait, we see something, something like sort of wobbling around. Very, very waddily. It hops Whoa. out. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it certainly scares them.
0: It scares them, and apparently, it scared them so badly that one of the kids like will never go back. Huh. But it the creature they saw very much matched the description of a gnome. It yeah. was in the dark, though, and it's very hard to tell exactly what we're looking at.
1: Yeah, it looks like it could just be a you know dwarf wearing a costume, but it's this, it's a very small person yeah. with a pointy hat. Who hops at, sort of sideways. Yeah, weird kind of sideways, shuffly walk, which is right. a little unnatural and strange. Right. Anyway, this, to them, this
0: anyway. has blown up as far as being cycled through the news. Mm. This one's creepy as fuck. Oh, my
1: God. Do you mind turning up the uh, light on this? Oh, yeah, right? my just bad. Light just um, a little bit. I'm wondering now, if I may have seen parts of this one you're about to play. I'm not sure.
0: So, in this one, this kids recent- are playing soccer,
1: I think. There we got the good old uh, vertical yeah. aspect ratio. Thanks, phone owners. That little black lump. Watch oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. It Look is the back where they're playing, crawling in football. a creepy way. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, something's coming up over the hill towards them, and it is moving in a. Mm, oh oh, they're not happy about it. Understandably so. So yeah, they're playing football. There's um, and whoever's recording it is recording on their phone, just like you normally would. And uh, and then something starts to slowly crawl up over the hill. We see in the, the distance background. this
0: little black thing crawling very visibly. And it look is crawling in a kind of creepy way, very creepy way. And the kids, as soon as they see it, it zooms in, and then they just book. Mm-hmm. Um, in this video, the one previous, and pretty much the ones, the rest of them, it's partly the people's seeming fear of what they're experiencing that helps sell it for me in some ways. Yeah, the, they seem like reacting
1: in a way that terrified. Seems, yes, like they really don't know how to comprehend what they're seeing, but they don't really care for it.
0: So this one is Argentina. I will just tell you what it's about first. These, This is, I guess, a group of girls who are walking to or from school in Argentina. Uh, the last video was also from Argentina. Mm-hmm. And um, they see this thing. They start filming. And it's hard to see, but it... Can it, you full screen it? Yes, I can. And it will... Become more visible as we As the video goes Okay
1: I got more vertical phone footage here
0: They basically say you know look 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 And then they'll say something like duende is it the duende And then they'll start saying we you know run We gotta run
1: Alright So far they're just kind of They're reacting to something we can't quite see yet Yeah it's
0: hard to see at first It's walking basically along the tree line To the back there Okay
1: there it's. It's, it's kind of just a, s- a small shadow on the tree line. yep
0: <laughs> Hmm. Wait for it. You will see it in a sec. Okay. There oh, it is.
1: Ah, little dot moving around. Yeah.
0: this is walking sort of steadily and slowly. There it is.
1: Okay, coming a little. Out It'll walk the... out onto the road too. That's kind of creepy.
0: This figure, you can tell it's short. Yeah, it's small. It's very dark. It sort of seems like just a black body, much like the other the soccer video, weirdly yeah. enough. There he goes. He's on the road now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell because they're just like, that's that's the whole of it. Okay. The shakiness of the cam, they're still trying to keep it on it, but they're clearly like trying, trying to get, get away. away. They don't want to be anywhere near it. Mm.
1: And it does end right at the point where you'd expect them to just be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to bother recording anymore. I'm going to run kind right. of thing. So that's all right. That's... That lends some credence to their being genuinely afraid of something they're actually seeing.
0: This one is the fourth and final. It's kind of funny. There's So the thing that moves is in the shot the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's film of kids playing soccer again in mm-hmm. the sort of side yard of a property outside. Okay. It looks like it's indoors, but I've been led to believe this is the wall of their property. Okay. And they don't notice this thing until it moves, and then you'll see. So they're just sort of playing soccer, kick for the goal. This little mm-hmm. thing down here, just keep your eye on that. All right.
1: Oh, there it goes. So they are terrified <laughs> when they notice yeah. it moving. It's very, very small in this case. It's
0: super small. This is like house elf <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> levels. But it's some weird little thing, and it could be just a prank that they caught on film that people were ready for, and they're mm. they're packaging it as though it were some little monster but people were legit freaked out Mm. so i'm of a mind to automatically chalk up those videos to fakes particularly as the footage is weirdly timed like Mm. why are we filming these games of soccer why are we like happening to have the cameras out yeah but again that said the witness fear in every case its intensity and its simultaneity as well
1: yeah it's it I mean with enough takes you could try and get it so it seemed that that well done. But it does it does That's have true. some kind of seeming like um not everyone's great at acting and that does seem it does seem pretty well uh synced, like you said. It seems it seems pretty legitimate. Right. So what
0: could it be? Um the first story I read for my segment of the family being attacked by small beings is the mm-hmm. Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. And it's basically used as a case study in people freaking themselves out. Yeah. Um, You'll find a lot of support in the UFO community for the narrative in which the purported beings are extraterrestrial. Hmm. But sober critics suggest that it's harassment by great horned owls, Hmm. which can be very aggressive and territorial.
1: And bulletproof.
0: And bulletproof as well. Um, Another possible avenue of explanation for many of these stories is the principles of grouping. Okay. These are a set of principles in psychology that handle tendencies in humans to perceive phenomena as organized patterns and objects, a rule known as Pregnanz (laughs) in German. Uh, Essentially, the human mind is always looking to simplify the processing of an overwhelming amount of data, and to do this, it employs core rules of resolution to stimuli. So, these principles are broken into five categories, proximity, similarity, continuity, closure, and connectedness. I won't get into them more than that, but they're very it's very cool stuff. I highly recommend reading about it more for okay. our audience. But basically, it's people's minds often seeking out human forms and phases and patterns that contain only the faintest suggestion of that information. So, kind of pareidolia-ish. Pareidolia for sure. This theory is can also become more potent when we consider what I think is one of the more interesting facets of most of these accounts, which is that they take place either during childhood or, or teen years. So even in the examples of the video footage, we typically see younger people involved in these moments. Um, And I think there's a lot to be said about the powers of an unrestrained imagination Mm. of a young person. And to that end, I don't mean to go too long here. But it does remind me of a very weird personal experience I've had mm. in my, from my own childhood when oh I was my. about eight or nine at best, in which I recall awakening from a very frightening and vivid dream in the middle of the night. Hmm. In the dream, I woke up in my own room to see light pouring in my windows, and I saw looking into my room the classic, like, gray little alien hmm. creature, like a bunch of them, Jeez. peering in and sort of bonking on the glass. <laughs> And it scared me so badly and I ran down the hall to my parents' bedroom and tried to wake them up, but they were like, they couldn't be woken up and the creatures were looking in their room too at me Ugh. and I just was like in like a paroxysm of terror and then I just woke up in my room again. And they weren't in the window anymore, they, weren't they in the were not in your room. <laughs> yeah, and this time they were in the room exactly. <laughs> but again, it's one of these things where the details are so vivid in my mind mm. and I still chalk it up to a nightmare, but if I want to... I can easily start to push myself into a realm where I'm like, oh, no, that's a I, memory. Yeah. I had this fucking crazy experience and like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I would wonder how many of these other stories are similar in that regard. That makes sense. Um, so ultimately though, these and many other accounts of this kind slide into a similar folder for me as like ghosts or demons or persistent hauntings of most kinds in yeah. which, you know, can I state that small people, goblins, gremlins, whatever exist? No fucking way. Right am i convinced that the power of the mind to put us into very particular states is effective and you know basically i believe that people can believe they saw something yes and um you know having said that you know if any parents out there are listening and their child suddenly starts reporting the existence of small gnomes or trolls or gremlins or something <laughs> i would listen to them very closely <laughs> yes. and be like set up some kind of weird camera yes and finally uh, everyone su- should watch The Borrowers, if you haven't already. It's cute.
1: <laughs> John Goodman is in it. Sold. <laughs> now, is it at all similar to um, 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yes. Sounds great. I'm sold. But yeah, so that's my shit. I like your shit, Wyatt. <laughs> you got good shit, kid. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah, there's a lot of different stories that can you know come from generations past Indeedee. and still persist through today. And uh, probably a lot of the same phenomena that cause people to experience the things they do, if nothing else, compound over time. True, yeah. And the more stories you hear and then mm-hmm. the more kind of um, background stuff you have in your imagination to kind of fuel. You know,
0: I feel like with these particularly old stories, too, they they start to slide their way into perhaps uh, similar spaces in our minds as like just straight true history as well. Mm. And so the context and, like, narrative power of them is so much stronger. There's so much more capacity there to go, oh, I had some weird experience. Well, maybe it was this thing that, like, you know, I know intellectually doesn't exist, but some part of my subconscious is like, no, that's a historical story, dude. Like, that's part yeah. of the world. You've been hearing tales about it since you were, like, born, basically, straight through life. And there's, like, records of it through time even if they've been completely fabricated the whole way through
1: still your mind says that's a thing
0: your mind yeah it's going to use it to help uh frame its you know information processing
1: and depending on what it is you see maybe you'll die shortly afterward yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you never know you never know <laughs> So, there you guys go. We'll definitely do more digging into other folk legends and things, because there's so many of them, and they're so very interesting.
0: They very much are.
1: Um, But that's our first jump into that this time.
0: That's right. Thanks for joining us for it. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we hope you guys will reach out as usual. uh, We're looking to hear from you, looking for you guys to give (laughs) us a like, a review, a subscribe. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. We'd
1: love love to hear your stories (laughs) if you... (laughs) We'd love to hear your stories if you have them. We'd love to get your feedback if you have some of that Mm -hmm. too. Please do. And we'd love to hear. uh, Love to have you join us again next week.
0: Yes, indeed. We'll see you guys there. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: Orpheum Act. Faustian Pact. Three might be dwindling. In fact.